This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you would like. Dial in toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. We launch into another week of fun and excitement here. It's Ian. And Mark. And I believe we'll be joined by the lovely Michelle Seven here shortly. Uh, I think she's stuck in traffic. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. That's the point of the program. Otherwise, we've got things that are. I think you might find interesting. You want to talk about uh, zero tolerance going to the extreme? We've uh, discussed zero tolerance a number of times in the past on this program. Usually uh, the, the stories, and they're outrageous, uh, center around uh, Boy Scout bringing a, uh, what was it? A like pocket a, knife. Uh, yeah. A small pocket knife into, in his car, not like even his, in his pocket. Yeah, like as part of a first aid kit uh, in his car, bringing a knife to school, or a fifth grader bringing a butter knife in to the cafeteria, or somebody bringing in some aspirin from home because the parents wanted them to have uh, the aspirin with There's them. There's been cases the of steak knives, too, but... Yeah. Uh, all of these are true, and yeah. they've all happened. There's been instances where it wasn't a toy gun. It was the gun of a toy. So it was a, it was the gun that went with a Lego man. <laughs> um, and, you know, this was a small child that brought this, and they had to, you know, be go home and, and that kind of thing. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So there's... I mean, I remember bringing, wearing the cowboy outfit to, to, to school. I mean, that was, you know, in, in kindergarten or something like that. I'm sure that included a uh, pearl-handled pistol, too. So, you yeah, There's no shortage of stories Nuts. like this, and frequently uh, it gets press attention. It'll come across our attention. We'll talk about it, and, and then that usually draws out other stories of parents and, and what sort of ludicrous nonsense they've had to deal with in order to just send their kids to these awful government schools. Because they have to pay for Right. And uh, so zero tolerance. Uh, the basic concept is that, well, if the government does, uh, the government school bureaucrats don't tolerate any sort of weapon or uh, anything that resembles a weapon or anything that resembles a drug, then that will somehow send a message to the kids and let them know they're serious about drugs and guns, and that'll prevent any drugs and guns from being on campus. Okay. Which, of course, uh, makes absolutely no sense. Michelle Seven joining us tonight here. Hello, Hi, Michelle. guys. So Speaking we're... of drugs and guns. Yeah? <laughs> what? Well, I, my child was drug tested today at school. Oh, no. That's no yeah. good. Yes. And how did that go? Not very well, but the upsetting thing is that THC was found in his body, but we already knew that he was doing that, and that's a separate issue, but we were, he was uh, tested for something else because they're trying to find someone in school that's dealing Adderall. Oh. This isn't a public school, this is a, a private, private school, school, a very expensive private school. Yeah. But the fact is that I was told two things. I was told that there's no way that the test results would be communicated with the state. Mm-hmm. It's good news. Well, yeah, but they've not, since retracted that. Not true news, okay. And the other is he wasn't tested for anything other than THC anyway. And so they used, the opportu- used this as an opportunity. Right. I so see. they essentially have um, the right to kick him out of the school, but they're gonna, they can keep the $26,000. Oh, man. Did you know about this before you uh, became, you know, you hired them to do this job? Um, well, we had an agreement, a verbal agreement about, you know, no state, um, whatever. And, and I'm going to go tomorrow to the school and, and get some more details, but, um, you know, whether it's private or public or whatever agreements, 
uh, have to be the foundation and the basis for our relationships with one another. And, and we talk about voluntarism a lot. You don't and, go um, back on your word. That's right. But you they did. <laughs> right. And, um, so they don't deserve your business if they're not willing to honor their their promises to you. It's unfortunate that it was a verbal agreement, but still, that means something. Sure it does. Between people. And 10 years ago, my uh, other son was um, suspended from a school, a private school in Park City, Utah, for drawing a picture of a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, but those, those have yeah. happened, too. It was right after times. 9-11, and they yeah. said, Omar Sharawi. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that ain't gonna fly. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm sorry I'm late. Here I am, and I'm oh, happy to be here. No worries. So we're talking about the zero tolerance madness, and the the drawing of a gun is one of those things that has happened to many young, probably mostly males, but uh, many young people across the government school. There system. was the one guy that was uh, suspended for uh, writing a short story about zombies going through his school. That's right. That's yeah, that right. was good stuff. Wow. Yeah, what God, what was it that they were suggesting about that? Uh, well, that he was threatening that his it was teachers. Something against the teachers, even yeah. though it was a story against, about zombies. The, the, he, was, he was threatening uh, the teachers and fellow students in the school by writing zombie fiction. <laughs> right. I mean, just because the zombie eats <laughs> the brains of the science teacher doesn't mean that you want to kill the science teacher. It or could that you, mean that, but, it, you know, I mean, it's... it. That's uh, what zombies do. They eat brains. Yeah. You know, and you think about who is uh, Agatha Christie. I mean, she must have been a twisted woman, right? She must have been crazy instead of just one of the most prolific and successful authors of our mm-hmm. time. So here's the latest zero tolerance madness. This one from Fox 25, myfoxboston.com. A teen's spirit week stunt has landed him in hot water. Hamilton Wenham Regional High School senior Dan Diapolis or DePalis, dressed in medieval garb, rode a horse into the school's parking lot as part of Spirit Week. What he and his parents thought was... Uh, were a, they the knights? Were they what? The knights. What, the school? Yeah, uh, the school. I have no idea. Uh, what he and his parents thought I mean, it, was a good... It, it is kind of relevant, a little bit. Apparently, the school didn't care uh, right. what, what they thought. Cause if they were, say, the Bruins, it wouldn't make much as much sense. What he uh, and his parents thought was a good-natured stunt, the school deemed dangerous. DePaulis was suspended from school for two days. The vice principal allegedly suspended the 17-year-old even after the boy's father explained that the horse was brought in on a trailer and that no one was in danger. The father tells Fox 25 the school compared the stunt to bringing a loaded firearm to school. (laughs) And that he and his wife were shocked to hear about the suspension, saying that the 1,100-pound horse named Pierre would never hurt a fly. School would not comment, saying they do not talk about any aspect of student discipline. The family says they plan to contest the suspension. I suspect, you know, that in most states, horses are still considered a conveyance. Mm. And I think that this kid's going to win this. I think these school officials are. What's are he going to win? Well, he's they, already been suspended. Yeah, but he's going to be unsuspended. It'll but be taken so, off his permanent record. I see. Maybe. But nonetheless, uh,. To suggest that a horse is akin to a loaded firearm. Yeah, well, that, that shows what idiots they are. <laughs> the thing is, is that these officials should be, if this is overturned, these officials should be suspended for the same amount of time this kid was. Not going to happen. No, it's absolutely not going to happen. It shows just how stupid and unfair the system is. Like these idiots, absolute morons, can uh, suspend a kid for riding a horse. When he could ride the horse to school. It probably wasn't that long ago when kids did ride horses right. to yeah. school. I totally want to hear you do the sound thing. 
So here you have it yet again. I mean, these uh, this is a family that decided they were going to come out for Spirit Week, which is, you know, this community thing or whatever. I've never been to one, but Spirit Week is, uh, hey, I love this good, school. Good this school, school is spirit. great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's Home, a tribal. Homecoming and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Right? Tribal nationalist thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's dumb. But uh, that's what they wanted to do, and they yeah. brought their horse in, and uh, they didn't even ride it there. They brought it in on a trailer. He Wouldn't it be it great to bring park. a horse to school? He trots it into the parking lot, and then all of this blows up. It just blows up in his face. Who would have thought? Who, who thinks about these things? Oh, well, oh, you should have gone and asked permission first. That was your real crime, wasn't it? Well, and it used to been. be like 4-H. You know, I don't know about the... Areas that y'all grew up in. Yep, but, they had the 4 H thing. Right. And the, so the cows. You, you could bring your pig or. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't actually bring it into the building generally, but, you know, we had a, we had a bull at my school. Mm-hmm. It was very strange that in, uh, you know, this, this area of town that one would have a bull, but we did. There's was bull. it there at all times, the bull? Yeah. I believe his name was Babe or, Bra- or Bubba huh. or something. Something alliter- alliterative with bull. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, 1-800-259-9231. If you've got a zero-tolerance story you would like to share, perhaps it happened to you or your kids or family members or friends or whatever, 800-259-9231. And if you actually think a horse is akin to a loaded weapon, I'd love to hear from you because the school bureaucrats refuse to defend their statement. That's what they told the parents, but they won't tell anybody anything on the record uh, in front of a video camera. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And there's a lot of stuff there. You'll find that it's all totally free. We've got archives. If you've missed a moment, don't worry. We've got them there for you right there on the top of the website. The last week's worth is there. And then if you click into the archive section, it'll take you back all the way to late 2006. Those archives, free, brought to you by HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting. They make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. They have more than 3,000 templates over there. Whether you want a personal blog or complete e-commerce business website, you can let the experts at HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com host you. If you use that portal that we created, HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com, you'll get your first month completely free. If you don't go through HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com, you won't. HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com. You know, uh, Michelle, since you mentioned that you had you know, got some issues with one of the, the kids at home uh, doing possibly doing some drugs, I've got a kind of a story that might tie in here to that particular discussion. And it's, all, it's a retread of something that we talked about, I think it was probably about a year ago, and it's, it's one of those stories that deserves to be repeated, although this just came out uh, in the news today over at the BBC, where Professor David Nutt over in the UK, has uh, stated that alcohol is more harmful than heroin. 
Not only that, it's more harmful than crack cocaine, according to a study published in the medical journal The Lancet. The report is co-authored by Professor David Nutt, the former UK chief drugs advisor who was sacked by the government in October of 2009. It ranks 20 drugs on 16 measures of harm to users and to wider society. Gavin Partington of the Wine and Spirit Trade Association said alcohol abuse affected a minority who needed education, treatment, and enforcement. The study also said tobacco and cocaine are judged to be equally harmful, while LSD and ecstasy are among the least damaging. Professor Nutt refused to leave the drugs debate when he was sacked from his official post by the former Labor Home Secretary. He went on to form the Independent Scientific Committee on Drugs, a body which aims to investigate the drug issue without any political interference. One of its other members is Dr. Les King, another former government advisor who quit over Professor Nutt's treatment. So as you might imagine, uh, this man was ousted from the government bureaucracy because he was not towing the government's official line that all of these drugs are equally as bad as one another. If, if for instance, you look at the schedules that they have here in uh, the, the U.S. federal government, they've got Schedule 1, 2, and 3, maybe there may be schedules below that, but uh, they have these different categories that they put drugs in. And, of course, it's all just completely arbitrary because they've put marijuana in the same category as heroin. Mm. And anybody that knows anything about drugs knows that those two drugs don't even, you know, they, they, they don't even occupy the same world, mm. uh, let alone the same category. They're, they're so diametrically opposed from one another in the way they affect people their addictive capabilities right. it's just uh, it's it's insulting to have them be in the same category and if uh, if they, things were a little more honest they'd be following uh, mr nuts chart here which well, really lays it I out i have a problem with mr nuts chart to some extent um, i mean I, I don't think it tells the whole story in by just ranking them as alcohol is number one i mean if you had a, a child ian oh, as a matter of fact Let's just use mine since he exists in the real world. If you had the option of, and this is the only two options you get, of my son Jack drinking alcohol or smoking crack cocaine, which one would you pick? Oh, I would choose alcohol in moderation. Yeah, that's what I would choose too. Um, I, I, you know, intend that Jack will learn how to do that at some point in his life. I believe that's important. The, I, the I think that one needs to, to understand how to use alcohol in a moderate way. One doesn't necessarily need to know how to use crack cocaine in a moderate way. Well, he's pretty honest in his. Um He's honest in his chart. If you look at the chart, and you can't see it on the air, but uh, we'll put the link up over at the Free Talk Live BBS later tonight. Uh, if you look at the chart, there it's broken down into two different categories. One category is the harm that the drug leads to uh, others, to people that are around the drug user. So people fighting at a bar, that would be Car related accident, to, would that be included in that also? Yeah, drug anything drivers? That, anything that could relate okay. to harming other people besides the user of the drug is factored into that particular um, category. And if you pull the, that away, and there, there are different colors on the graph. So alcohol is the very top of the chart. And so most of alcohol's harm rating comes from its harm that it causes, or that use or abuse rather of alcohol causes to others. If you were to just rate them based on the harm that, that it causes to the users themselves, alcohol would not be number one. So they, they, they glean that alcohol is the number one most dangerous drug because it harms It does so much societal harm. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, it is incredibly popular. Yeah, so that that's helps. really the issue. It's, it's, inc- it's incredibly popular. Which means it's abused it's ubiquitous, more. ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, what. <laughs> well, that's one of the arguments, though, that I hear posed by people who want to keep, uh, you know, harmful, quote unquote, drugs illegal. And that is that the reason they claim that the reason why we don't see more uh, drug related accidents um, due to heroin, cocaine, whatever, is because they are illegal. So people are forced to do them, you know, outside of society. Whereas because uh, alcohol is not only uh, legal, but, you know, accepted within society, people are apt to be out and about doing it. And that, that's one of the arguments that people pose yeah, that's, to keep it to keep those drugs illegal. Okay, so if if it wasn't for the countries that have uh, lessened the punishments for those things, uh, finding that that their use did not increase with that. If it wasn't true that, uh, you know, the numbers that they've managed to look at from back in, you know, the day when it wasn't illegal to do those things in the United States and there being really no difference between today and then when it was legal, even if it wasn't for those things, one would have to weigh uh, what is the value in more people doing, you know, what, what's the detriment of more people doing heroin or cracker or cocaine or whatever it is versus the war on drugs and how it, uh, is, it destroys families, destroys prosperity, uh, just destroys people and their lives here in the United States. And often what those those people that don't that want to throw folks in jail they they seem to care so much about the family of those people, but at the same time, those those throwing people in jail causes their families harm. Yeah. So uh, you know it doesn't make any sense. It's like saying, well, here's a person that could cause their family some harm through their drug use, so let's cause their family some harm by throwing them in jail. And my typically my response to those people though is that um, I own my body. Yes, that's what you think. <laughs> well, you see, there you have what you have is a, a is a disparity in property rights. They don't believe you do. Yeah, they believe that your body right. is the part of society. Is, the, right. the evidence is strongly against that statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, I concur with you that that you you can make a claim on your body, but you know, in fact, those people seem to have the uh, the strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. Well, that's what we're trying to change, right? Indeed, we're, yeah. we're trying to uh, enlighten people to the idea that you do own yourself and that part of owning yourself means choosing how you treat yourself. And maybe that means mm. that, you know, uh, you like to cut yourself. I mean, some people are into that. Um, that Which has could... been found to be actually very helpful in the release of Dear um, God. pheromones <laughs> and things like that. That's the claim. So wait, <laughs> releasing pheromones, so if you cut yourself, you'll be more attractive to uh, the it helps. Sex? It helps young females supposedly <laughs> to get through puberty a little bit more calmly I'm told I, I think that's a, don't know I don't I'm gonna have to see whatever evidence you have <laughs> I, I I'm ready to dismiss it out of hand but uh, I, I don't believe in doing that so I'd like to see more I, I wasn't a cutter I'm not <laughs> condoning I think it's a horrible idea and it really a major we're gonna bleed everyone <laughs> there's uh, some self-esteem issues there this your family today tip is brought to you by Nesquik Try Nesquik 4-Packs, perfect for lunches and great for kids on the go. Look for it in the juice aisle. Snack time is a great chance to sneak extra calcium into your child's diet without making him feel like he's eating something he doesn't want. Serve up dairy-rich foods like smoothies, flavored milk, frozen yogurt, and string cheese. He'll love the treat, and you'll love knowing how good it is for him. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This 
is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site for free, and those features include listening options, Got a lot of different ways for you to tune in. There's the broadband and dial-up versions of the show running around the clock. Plus, our listen lines allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance and listen in that way. It's all free over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Coming up tonight, you're going to have a chance to win the Totasack. We talked a lot about the Totasack over the last uh, couple of years on Free Talk Live because it's a darn good product. It'll help you bring the grocery bags back in from the car, uh, and it does a great job of it. I use it every single time. I've got some groceries. I want one. We will do our best to uh, to get. Can we yeah, get I Michelle? Haven't, I haven't handled that yet. Yeah, I need to handle. Make that. a note. Make a note, Mark. We yes. need to get Michelle uh, a couple of uh, tote sacks or a family pack because uh, she's got kids. Like twelve bags of groceries yeah. every time I go. You could totally. I mean, whatever you can lift, basically, the tote sack will uh, assist you. Well, uh, you could use it uh, straight arm too, so you don't actually have to be able to curl whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, <laughs> it just you just could. whether you can hold on to it or not, and it, it just makes holding them a lot easier. For me, the the trick actually becomes getting into the door. Because yeah, because so it's absolutely the truth. You you can carry so many bags with it that you have to turn to sideways yeah. in order to get through your door. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's great stuff. So totasack.us, you can go there to learn about the totasack, order some, maybe stuff them in some stockings this uh, coming holiday season because it's that time of year. Halloween's over. The, the the grocery stores or the discount stores had started stocking the Christmas decorations before Halloween, of course, <laughs> uh, and now you'll see it in in full swing. So totasack.us will tell you more about how you can. Win and a two-pack coming up here later tonight. Uh, 800-259-9231 is the number here. There's news again coming out of the BBC in the UK where a former government uh, minister of some sort, uh, government, whatever they call them over there, the chief drugs advisor is what he was, was fired in October of 2009. He went on to do his own thing and put together a very interesting chart Taking a look at drugs like alcohol, heroin and crack, LSD, ecstasy, cannabis, and kind of giving them a score based on mental and physical damage, addiction, crime and cost to the economy, as well as communities. And we can pick that up here in a moment. But first, let's go to your thoughts and your calls. Kenny is in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Kenny. Yes. Uh, hey, how, how, you, how you guys doing? Hey, Kenny. Great. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I wanted to talk about... Surreal's, uh, I guess, his philosophy. Okay. Surreal, the guy that calls occasionally to this program and is, oh, I don't know, a player, if you want yeah, to use that I, term. I suppose, that's a, <laughs> I suppose that's what he'd like you to believe. I think, he, I think he's like a uh, self-proclaimed uh, pickup artist. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, he's the one that had something about women back a while ago and... What was it that he was saying? Well, surreal is how to how to best describe surreal. Well, he, he, he clearly studied on uh, how best he believes to pick up women mm-hmm. um, in in bars and uh, for the purposes know, of having sex with them and he has never a top seeing them ten again. or something like that, doesn't he? I don't remember the top ten. I'm I'm not sure. He yeah, I think he's he's done a ten ten some. I don't remember what it was, but his basic theme over all of his calls uh, were the like I think it was like the ten things that women really want. That's it. Like that. Yeah, and uh, according to surreal, and so surreal is a, a man who I guess you know he he teaches people, he teaches his techniques, and he uh, he he picks up women allegedly, and then. 
Yeah. That's that. Have no I have no evidence one way or the other. Go I, ahead. I don't know if Kenny. Surreal is actually in a relationship or not. It doesn't sound like uh like he is or that he's interested in one. Uh so yeah, go ahead with your thoughts, Kenny. Um, I could tell you as someone that picks up women um every now and again, um, that he for the most part, uh he's right on point. Um, of course when he says uh says words like women I assume he's talking about all women, and of course that's not true, mm-hmm. um, because all women are not the same. But I will say that when you go out and pick up women, you do tend to pick up patterns, and you form your game, I guess you could say, around that, and to a higher success rate. So where do you typically go for this uh, endeavor, Kenny? To the club? Because um, that's what Surreal calls from. He calls from any club. In the U.S., um, in the I go world. to a club like maybe a couple of times a month. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I just it's just the grocery store or it's just really anywhere. It doesn't really matter, you know. Women are are everywhere. So, what are you looking just, for from a woman? Are you just looking to get off, or are you looking for uh, you know partner? For um, I'm looking for a long term relationship, but that's what uh, they all say. But um. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how surreal stands on that. I don't think I've ever heard him actually say that he's only looking for one-night stands or anything like that. But for me personally, I am looking for a long-term relationship, but most of the time it doesn't turn out as so, and that's fine too. Give me your best line. Like how, you know, I you might be able to see me if you're looking at a webcam, but I can't see you. I don't know how old you are. <laughs> I'm in my early 40s, so tell me you see, that's, how would you, you see, that's pick difficult me up, because. The game that you would run on a 21-year-old will never in, in your wildest dream work on a 41 or uh-huh. a 31-year-old. Oh, I might and let you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> because because on a 31 or a 41-year-old, you could be more direct because women, of, well, most women of that, that age know what they want. You know, they're not about the BS. You know, they know, you know, you could be direct with them. But with the 21, uh, usually women in their tw- um, early 20s, you can't, you can't do that. Oh. It's usually not a good idea to do that. And I don't have, like, a line. It's just my approach really is, you know, do the whole familiar thing. Yeah, like you know, I'm smile, charisma, confidence. Confidence is number one. I would agree you with you have, on, on that you that subject, and and I agree with uh, Surreal that that's essentially what he says too. And I think that it's absolutely true. Confidence is going to be attractive to uh, you know whomever you want to attract. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about a sales prospect, uh, a job interview, mm. a, a potential lover, or uh, you know whomever it is that you're dealing with. Confidence is attractive. Yeah. And um, I think one of his top ten things or whatever it was, where he said that women are um, sluts. Oh, you know, my. I didn't, I didn't find that that line. I didn't find that you know too nice or whatever. Um, of course, I don't even know. Well, my definition of a slut is a person who just sleeps around with no disregard or whatever. And it's just to say that most women are like that. It's just it's incorrect. You yeah. mean with without regard? Because you gave a double yeah, negative. Regard, okay, right. okay, okay. So, can I ask you, you have tuned into Free Talk Live, and I assume that you have some sort of desire to be, you know, anarchical or or voluntarist sort of thing, possibly, maybe, that's how I came across Free Talk Live initially. Is that your philosophical bent, or? Absolutely. I, I've listened to every podcast dating back to 2006. Wow. In wow. the archives, Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you as as a woman, whether I, you know, nearly 43 or when I was 16, 21, 25, I really like honesty, actually. Like, you know, whether it was a man telling me, I just really want to get down or I'm looking for this. So <laughs> as part of the as part of a self-proclaimed voluntarist, I think that there's a responsibility there to uh, exercise uh, self-government and tell yourself no to some of your your animal instincts, maybe. And um, and if you're looking for that long term relationship or at least a more meaningful, intimate one to uh, to resist the desire to um, use pickup lines. Which are, you know, by by definition, are not very sincere. Well, like I said, I don't use pickup lines. I think pickup lines are lame. But there's there there's because if I, I feel like if you could be direct, if most men could be direct to most women, we wouldn't need tactic tactics and 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 all these other head games and all of that. But it's just that's just for the most part that's not the case. You know what this reminds me of is that uh, that line in Tootsie. Did you see this? this is one of the greatest movies ever made. And uh, the, the 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 hot chick in Tootsie tells Dustin Hoffman's uh, when when he's in the role of the woman that this that this thing. And then he try, attempts as a man to use this same <laughs> line on him. And I believe she throws a drink in his face. Right. And I can tell you know this is real life. Like some women will say I want them to be honest, but I think that. I think in the early part, there needs to be a little bit of romance and fan, uh, you know, fantasy. Kenny, if there was more you wanted to get out, we'll hang on to you here in a moment. 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for Kenny, a uh, pickup artist on the lines with us. It's Free Talk Live. Thousands of years ago, from the time of Moses to the time of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and beyond... TrustedCoins.com brings you an incredible selection of authentic Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine ancient coins, all certified authentic by world-renowned numismatic expert, Ilya Slobin. Transport yourself to the distant past now at TrustedCoins.com. Whatever's on your mind, dial in, toll-free. The number is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features we have there. Main feature of the site allows you to actually control the content. So everything you see on the front page at freetalklive.com is there because of listeners like you. That as you surf around the internet, you buy something you think is pretty interesting and you want to share it with our other listeners, you just submit the link to our site and then other listeners will vote on whether they like or dislike your suggestion. And the most liked will make it to the front page and the top of the website. Go see how it works over at freetalklive.com and get interactive. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Michelle. And Mark. Uh, We're going to continue here. We've got Kenny on the line in Florida. Kenny, you're back on Free Talk Live. Uh, You'd called in to discuss some of the issues that Surreal has brought up on the show in the past. Surreal, who calls from any club to frequently discuss the issues of picking up women and what Surreal believes uh, women really want. And so you're kind of chiming in with your clarifications on uh, how you feel, uh, what you agree or disagree uh, with what Surreal has said in the past as a self-proclaimed uh, player, one who has game. Uh, so I wanted to make sure you had the chance to get a, get anything else out there that you might have wanted to. Uh, yes, um, but um, I, like I said before, I think most of his ideas, you know, he's, he's right on. Um, but, you know, the whole slut thing, I, I just, I, I, 
don't agree with that. But I think the message he was trying to convey um, that if you are aggressive with your girlfriend or wife, but not violent, uh, but aggressive, you know, like being sexual or whatever, that you'll see a side of your girl or woman that you've never seen before. I think that was the message that he was trying to convey. That I, I think this was like a week or two weeks ago. Yeah, it was a little it while was, back. It was like the all girls, the all, the the she talk live or whatever. Oh right, yeah, he called in for that one. Yeah, Michelle, were you there for that? I wasn't. I've never done she talk live. Oh, oh okay. Um, you just well, get out of, left out of all the fun, don't you? <laughs> no, this is the most fun. Are you kidding? So what do you what do you think about that one, Michelle? The uh, the idea that uh, one should be a little uh, aggressive with one's female partner, not uh, in a violent manner, but I'm violent. Uh, <laughs> you like that, huh? Well, you know, I, I've been told that I'm an alpha female. I had to go look that up actually the uh-huh. other day. What does that mean? You know, I don't know. I think that everyone's different. That's how I feel. You know? I, I mean, think everyone's why don't we just treat people like individuals and and um, be sincere? Well, I what, like sincerity. Well, what what uh, what. Surreal was saying essentially was that even if they say they don't like it, they do, and that kind of bothers me. That really bothers me. I mean, if you if you're in a relationship and you are in a relationship and you have established trust and you want to do your whole role playing games where you know, oh no, or whatever. (laughs) Hello, sailor. I think, and you have defined, (laughs) yeah, you have defined, you know, things. Then, you know, go for it. Put the pigtails on and pretend like you're, you know, junior in high school. Whatever your thing is, but okay, that wasn't my thing. But anyway, um, (laughs) I think that that's much different than than thinking that someone telling you no really means yes. You that's that is a slippery slope there. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, when if a woman says no, yeah, just going about your business I'm just, I'm just saying like you know if you start kissing on the neck you know start touching on everything you being showing initiative in other words you know i, I don't know if being aggressive was the white right words but assertive i think you i think uh, assertive is a slightly less uh, loaded of a term than, than like aggressive. not asking for permission perhaps but you know uh, the asking kind of for thing. permission thing this this is kind of big maybe a decade and a half ago that uh, some some college somewhere said sort of in the pc realm that you must ask a girl a, a, a partner <laughs> in every step of the relationship M- michelle may i kiss your hand mm-hmm. may i may i stroke your, now your that's neck silly. yeah i mean may i pull you by your hair well like whatever term it is that they 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 were using it just i don't know it, it it's it's obviously very silly and would uh, make it, it, yeah, other than doing it one time for fun i think it's that it's lame. yeah it's it's extraordinarily lame mm-hmm. yeah. i've had i've had um guys ask me at different you know may i i'd like to kiss you or you know different things and and i i think um when you're establishing a relationship or establish you know those first time mm-hmm. kinds of things, I think, you know, it's kind of nice to ask permission to cross a boundary. I, I like to sail. And one of the things about, uh, you know, sailing is you ask permission to come aboard the boat. Mm. You don't just get onto the boat. Even if you've been invited for the day to go sailing, you yeah. still say, may I come aboard? And yeah, there's just that. something every time you come aboard. Mm-hmm. Right. But most women will say that um, they like a man that takes charge that doesn't ask for permission to do something as long as it's not inappropriate. Okay, well, most women will say that, but not all women. 
Yeah, well, for you, Michelle, what you're saying is is that if somebody's crossing a boundary for the first time, you don't mind them asking. Um, and I can tell you that I've had people attempt to cross boundaries with me without asking. And I, I'm, you know, whoa, hey, hold on mm-hmm. there, sugar pants. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little much. You called them sugar pants? <laughs> well... But at the same time, I mean, that's tricky because at the same time, I totally agree that it's pretty lame, the idea of, well, asking for, you know, a kiss. I think it, I think it, uh, I think that the different circumstances ruin the moment. uh, I I think the different circumstances call for different things. And I understand that that makes these conversations difficult to have. Uh, Mm -hmm. I agree with you that often it can, it can be lame. But, and, and and I'm, and asking every step of the way is different than asking to kiss. Okay. Right. Um, So, I mean, don't worry. They'll communicate what they want to do. Uh, well, I think that's what's that important. Point. I think that communication is the most important factor and just right. in, in general. And that's kind of one of the things that bothered me. At least maybe I misunderstood what Surreal was saying. But uh, the suggestion there was that the women will not say uh, that they want these things, that he believes that they want and yeah, that they all want them. And well, I, so I, I so believe forth. that this is what he was stating, as I understood what Surreal was stating, was that women like to be uh, like an assertive guy that will treat them like a woman. And what he meant by a woman is a girl that, you know, that, that the guy takes charge in the bedroom. And, you know, that's right. that's that. And I think. Personally, like this is the way I see life. I think personally, if you plot that on a bell curve, you'll think you'll find largely that that's true. I'm not saying it's true for everybody. Nothing is true for everybody. But I think that largely you'll find that women would prefer their man to act like a man. Okay, so take me out to dinner, open my door, pay for the meal, and then afterwards you can tug my hair without asking. Okay. (laughs) There you go. See, that's that's another issue. That's another conversation, though, paying... Paying dinner and you know for sex, you know that that's kind of lame too. But I think that's just an, you know the whole chivalry thing. It's it's an old idea, you know. I agree that uh, I think that, I think for one you, we've changed generations on the chivalry right. thing, and I I think you're going to have a difficult time uh, you know converting women uh, of a certain <laughs> age. Uh, you know, by the way, I'm the same age as Michelle, um, <laughs> but I think you're going to have a tough time with it. I think that uh, you know some the, the the older they get, the 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 more they move up, the more they wanted to be, want to be treated in a chivalrous fashion. Mm, I guess. I mean, uh, that's what I think. But I, I, you know. yeah, I guess. I guess um, no disrespect to age, Mark. I guess uh, people or well, women in your age. Yeah, I love being would, forty-two. Would be more. <laughs> I'm, I'm older than you. That's a reality. You know? I mean, I, it doesn't make me feel bad. I know it's true. Go ahead, Kenny. I'm sorry. But I think um, that chivalry is it's an old idea. Like, yeah. kind of like how I feel about marriage. That it just as a whole, it doesn't work anymore. You know, the way maybe 30 or 40 years ago, you know, it worked perfectly. And you won't be pulling my hair. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one could say the same thing about please and thank you, okay? So here are words that do nothing except add breaths um, into your sentence. You know, you should know that I'm actually, if I'm saying, you know, why should I say thank you when, when I'm, you know, asking in a gracious fashion? Well, because they get things done. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an expectation that people have. And, I, you know, different age groups are going to expect different things. And I think you're, you're going to find that marriage is an institution that sticks with us for a while. It may not be okay for you today, but it's a, it's, it's a fine thing to raise children with. And also it cuts down on costs of rent.
Here's my question for Michelle. Uh, why does a guy have to take you out and pay for dinner to have sex with you? Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I didn't say that one... Um, I didn't say that, you know, I was um, mentioning opening my door or taking me out to dinner as, you know, general chivalrous sort of things because you were talking about the man being the man and the woman being the woman. So I, I was, you know, doing it in that context. Quite frankly, I really like to cook. So, you know, maybe maybe I'll make him dinner and then maybe make dinner pull his together. hair. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Okay. I misunderstood. I apologize. I, I, hear that, I hear that's getting popular these days. <laughs> hey, Kenny, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Good time to call, too, because Michelle's on the show. So perfect uh, topic. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what's on your mind. Hour number two is next. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. We're launching into the second hour of the program. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so do head there and enjoy those on us. freetalklive.com. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Michelle. And Mark. Join us uh, again at freetalklive.com. The toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. To the phones and the fun. Let's talk to Matthew in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matthew. Hi, guys. Um, hey. Ian, Mark, and uh, Michelle. How you doing? Just super. What's on your mind tonight, Matthew? Um, I'm just calling because uh, I'm out in California, and I was listening to your news uh, break, or news during the break, and they were talking about the most destructive drugs out there. And they listed alcohol and cocaine as most destructive on society. And we have Proposition 19 coming out. Well, tomorrow is voting day. That's right. And I just want to, and I just want to get out there. I know you know have a lot, of, a lot of stations out here in California, but I'm hoping people listen via podcast like myself. And when they listen to this, listen to that. Well, I don't know if that report's going to be on your on the podcast, but I just hope people go out there and vote tomorrow and for personal freedoms. In the insanity of prohibition, people just go out there and vote yes on Proposition 19. 
So. I hope so too. It's it's a big step that needs to be taken. Yeah. It's full you know, on legalization for recreational purposes. And I think law enforcement probably will be a little stiff necked about it initially. Of cannabis. But, yeah. They were they were stiff necked about uh, marijuana medical marijuana which uh, California uh, you know as far as the United States went, they were at the vanguard of and I think that uh, I they, they'll fall in line at some point because that's what they do. And it's going to, it's from all of the, if you believe the polls, and sometimes the polls aren't even close to what reality ends up being, uh, but if you believe the polls, it may be a very close vote tomorrow. So it could be one of those situations where your vote really could make a difference. When I've been getting on my Facebook account and I've been talking to people at where I work at and just trying to get everyone out there who I know who's going to vote yes on it, and even the people who are going to vote no on it, I try to talk to them and explain to that this law impacts you, you know. Um, and I always say it's about personal freedoms. Yeah, you might not smoke pot, but the pot gives the cops an excuse to pull you over, drag you out of your car, search your vehicle yep. for what? For something you didn't even have. So pot enables that. Drugs enable that. And it's just one less tool, uh, one less tool they'll have to do that. So a vote, yes, is, is right for everyone. Very good, sir. Anything else you want to share tonight? No, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That is. You know, about that, um, I voted, I didn't vote, but back in 97 or something, I think it was, California, uh, I I was just trying to look it up to get the correct uh, verbiage, but um, passed a law to legalize marijuana for medical purposes well it was 215 was was in 1996 96 but it was overturned by the governor though at the time i don't recall that gray davis i believe i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up right now because the popular vote the popular uh it was overwhelmingly you know passed in the popular uh believe at the time it's not the medical one you're thinking of you're thinking of real legalization exactly and i didn't smoke pot at the time so but i was for uh, the decriminalization and legalizing it because, in fact, it is your own body and everything. But um, the governor at the time well, said, who doesn't no. know who doesn't know people that are cannabis consumers? It's so prolific out there. If you if you believe that none of your friends or family or the people that you work with uh, smoke cannabis or have at some point in the recent past consumed it. Uh, then you're living in a, a fantasy world. They they are doing a really great job of hiding it from you, if that's the case, because it's tremendously popular. It, it's hard for me to think of the people I know who don't smoke uh, cannabis on an occasional or ro- more regular basis. Yeah, even if they uh, did it at one point, it seems very hypocritical to me. What re- it really, really, really bothers me that police officers will have smoked marijuana at some point in their life, or presidents, or politicians, or whomever, somebody in power that has a that that makes a decision as to whether or not people who smoke marijuana go to jail, or people that have marijuana go to jail. Those same people that have had it and have smoked it. Decide that other people who have it and smoke it go to jail? Like I Barack mean, Obama dis- or Bush, disgusting. George Bush? It's just yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Let's continue here with your thoughts. Uh, and by the way, we can get back to the, the rankings of the drugs because Matthew did bring it up and we didn't quite wrap that one up last hour. Let's go first, though, to a different Matt. This one in Illinois on the amp lines. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, last night, I just got done listening to the uh, podcast for the Sunday night show. And last night they were talking about a uh, ancient festival named, uh, I believe Dale pronounced it Samhain, mm-hmm. and a collar 
uh, called up and corrected him and said it was pronounced Shawane or something like that. Okay. And and they they commented on how it was spelled because if you look at it and it look at how it's spelled, it's spelled uh, Samhain. S A M H A I N. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And there's an interesting story that I found out from my son-in-law um, behind that in the Gaelic language. And the story goes something like this. Back in the uh, Dark Ages, uh, the British and the uh, the British lords were uh, pretty much taking over Ireland, and they couldn't understand the Gaelic language. So they wanted the, uh, the Irish people, the Gaels, to write it down so that they could understand it. So in one of the earliest uh, examples of uh, civil disobedience, the Gaels, because the language was only a, a spoken language, they pretty much said, well, we're just going to write down whatever we want and pronounce it however we want. And that's why today, when you look at the Gaelic language, you don't know how anything's pronounced. Yeah, it's crazy. There was a place... It's agreed on that. <laughs> I, I haven't seen very much of it personally, but there was a uh, there was an Irish pub that was opened up out here for a little while called yeah. the Cayley House. Yeah, it, it, and it, it, Cayley, like, like Seldig or right, something. <laughs> Cayley is spelled something like this, C-E-I-L-I-D-H. Seldig. Yeah, I don't. I don't right. see it. It's like Gloucester and Worcester, and it looks like it's, Gloucestershire. It's worse, that, it's, it's worse than that. It's just completely incoherent. <laughs> and... Exactly. And um, I just thought that that was a great example of uh, of civil disobedience. The the Irish had more or less been beaten down by the uh, by the uh, British at this point, and. You couldn't much, you know, raise raise the speed them in in battle or anything. So they decided this was one good way to just say, you know, f you guys. This is, you know, this is what you want. Well, we're not going to give you what you, what you want, but we will. You know just to I'm confuse saying? the heck out of them is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it and it did that. And, and it still it, confuses it shows, to this day. Right. But it, it shows <laughs> the power of of civil disobedience because, you know, that's that's the spirit. So this gentleman, he just called about um, the, the the marijuana bill in California. Well, I hope I hope that that uh, it does pass. But even if it does pass, we've already had this Holdren or whoever it was saying, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna um, pay any attention, even if you do pass that yeah. bill. The Attorney so General of the United States right. basically saying we're gonna crack down. There was some sheriff in California that said even if um, even if it's the law, then we're gonna enforce the old law because we don't like the new law because yeah. yeah, we're law right. enforcement officers <laughs> and that's what we do. Some nonsense. So I, hope, I hope the people of California, if this happens, can take maybe a little bit of an example here from the uh, ancient uh, Irish and just figure out ways to be civil disobedient. Uh, kind of like what you guys are doing there in New Hampshire. Well, I hope so, too. Obviously, I think that civil disobedience is a very uh, effective method of working toward change, but it's also one that involves risk, and most people are trained to be risk-averse. Uh, thank you for the call tonight, though, Matt. 800-259-9231. That's one of the things the government school system is uh, is very good at, is teaching young people that risk is uh, it's not worthwhile. You need to be safe. You need to get a job. You need to plan for your retirement and uh, just you know work quietly and don't uh, don't rock the boat. Don't tip over the apple cart. Uh, don't take any unnecessary risk because risk is dangerous. That's what they teach you. Well, not only that, but I, it was funny moving from California where the kids and I, um, and I was married, so 
I'm gonna. I don't want to talk. Tell me the thing. story in a moment. We're gonna awesome. give away a Toto sack. Actually, a two pack of the Toto sack. And uh, you can get it now if you are the first caller in at 603-435-1105. That's 603-435-1105. We told you about it uh, last hour. It is the brilliant little device that helps you bring in the grocery bags from the car. 603-435-1105. More details at totasac.us. And more free talk live coming up. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpaks, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com Dial in toll free. The number for you, 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It's 1 800 259 9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. You'll find that there are a lot of features there and they're completely free. Our Shrine of Female listeners is one of those features. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com. You can see the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners of this program. Shrine. .freetalklive.com will get you there. And if you're a lady listener, you can get details on how to be part of the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. How does a cruise to Bermuda sound? How about a cruise to Bermuda with Stefan Molyneux, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and me? The cruise isn't just a convention on the water. It's an unconference where the uh, event is what you make of it. The boat has an ice skating rink, rock climbing wall, miniature golf, and much more. The ship leaves Bayonne, New Jersey in November of 2011. But you need to reserve your berth now. There are uh, they, they are as low as five hundred and thirty five dollars uh, double occupancy. Go to cruise.freetalklive.com. Why is it a berth instead of a room? Because that's what they call them on boats. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, those boat people just have to be different, don't they? Well, boats have been around a long time, so they had their own little names for stuff. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. I don't want to tell you. Cruise.freetalklive.com. So well, it ought to be a lot of fun. It's next year, so you could yeah, it's next year in November. But you have to start planning now. Yeah, you have to you have to reserve very early, and um, you know this is going to be with uh, Stefan Molyneux, Whisper Toronto, myself. Very cool. Very cool. be a lot of fun. All right. So eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Continuing with your phone calls, Matt is another Matt. We've had three Matts in a row here. Uh, Matt in Washington, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I've got a question and a comment. So the question is. Um, I go to Canada like once every two weeks just for a day trip, and then I come back. And the people on the U.S. side of the border, they're pretty reasonable since I'm a U.S. citizen, obviously, but um, they ask questions that uh, can be kind of insulting. And, I mean, I know that since I have a U.S. passport, I don't have to answer the questions technically. Like, that's one of the few rights we have as citizens is to come back into our, our own country. So... I feel sort of gross answering the questions. And like last night, for example, the guy for no reason asked for my driver's license, which has never happened before. And then he checked the driver's license and the passport against some sort of database. He was typing in his computer, which made me upset. But I just wonder what what you guys think. Is it, is it you know worthwhile from our perspective to refuse to answer their questions and probably submit to a secondary inspection and waste my time there and maybe get put on some sort of watch list? Or is it better to just answer the questions as simply as possible and try to spend as 
short a time there as possible at the border. Uh, I, I personally think you need to you need to have a goal in mind when mm-hmm. you do civil disobedience, and you know when I understand the desire to do what you're what you're talking about doing, but I don't know that there's much value in it. Um, are you going to be teaching a lesson to, uh, uh, to to the bureaucrat because it seems unlikely that your lesson is going to be very effective? Um, I you know are you going to teach lessons to the people behind them that you might be inconveniencing because that seems like a poor way to teach a lesson. I mean it seems to me when you're coming through that you come through and that's really what you're there to do. Well, yeah. Mark, would you then advocate that uh, folks go through the body scanners too because that's way you know that's a way. To if if as long as moving. I'm advocating that people have goals and that they know what they're they're doing and if you if if that's what you want to do that's fine by me i'm not going to hold it against you but i you know i think that your civil disobedience needs to be well planned out instead of you know i need to stick it to the man and that just doesn't work very well for me there are two things that i um will am willing to go to jail for basically and one is uh taxes you know income taxes because i believe that i'm a free human and that uh, income tax, a violation of that. And I also fight for um, parental slash family slash children's rights. Um, And other than that, I'll stick my foot out and trip them up, but I'm not willing to, to take a lot of time or a lot of energy or a lot of my resources. Uh, Otherwise that's all I would do all day. You know, um, so I think that if you can define your own mission and what's really important to you and uh, and be willing to, as Ian mentioned in the last segment, you know, risk, put risk out there, then um, then that's great. And then for the other things, you just have to, um, you know, do a little cost benefit analysis. Well, yeah. What would the risk get you in this particular case? Is it like you say, is it going to change the bureaucrats minds? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you're the, the person, you'd be the straw on the camel's back for one of those bureaucrats. Maybe they've been rolling it over in their mind how wrong it is, what they're doing, and maybe maybe watching someone non-cooperate with them will uh, will hit something home. I mean, you never really know what your your effects are going to be, or what the effects of you refusing to, uh, to, you know, to roll over for them when they demand it, uh, what, what that will result in. In many cases, you probably won't ever see those, uh, those effects. I know that there was one case here in New Hampshire where Russell Canning, the publisher of the New Hampshire Free Press, went to jail and was fairly non-cooperative while he was uh, while he was in jail and was talking to the guards and and later on one of the guards wrote him in, uh, a piece of mail sent him a sent him some mail saying that I can't do my job anymore after you wow. know, the conversation that we that we had. Of course, and, it's the conversation. And if you're going to have a conversation with somebody, you need to approach them from love. If you're approaching them from the standpoint of you are a nasty, disgusting yeah. government bureaucrat who is, uh, you know, overstepping the, your constitutional bounds and you need a good b- amount of punishment and I'm going to stand up to you because you're a bad person. Whoa, you're not going you're going nowhere as far as convincing that person. Good advice, anything. Mark. Good advice. So, yeah, it really just depends. I mean, do you think that it's going to change? I mean, is it going to change anything in a in a large scale? No, certainly not. I mean, the, those governments are very entrenched, and those Border Patrol checkpoints aren't just going to vanish uh, because you've refused to uh, to obey. So I guess it just depends on what's important. Uh, how much time are you willing to put in? Because it could be hours. You know, maybe they'll even detain you for – who knows how long they'll detain you for if they if they feel like it. They can – probably arbitrarily do that for a, a good amount of time. I, I'm not familiar with all the provisions of what they can and can't do, but you know they 
pretty much, from what we've seen, can do whatever they want. Well, yeah, the last guy it was uh, that we read the article on, it was two hours, wasn't it? Oh, was that the uh, blog post by uh, uh, Paul Carl Lukacs, I believe? I don't remember the guy's name, but sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, like that didn't seem too bad, but I mean, it's like if I'm coming back across the border at like one o'clock in the morning and I have to get work the next day, like yeah, I haven't found too many really times. I haven't found too many times in life that I have two hours to give to a bureaucrat. I just don't have it. You know, I, 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 even if I have nothing to do, I'd rather go home and take a nap. And that's what they count on. You know, <laughs> are that's you if how they going, manage to get what get the, get what they do do done? If, right. If you do decide you want to do something like this, then it helps if you aren't alone. Yeah, safety um, in numbers. Right. Uh, I mean, our friends uh, Adam and Pete from LibertyOnTour dot com when they were doing the motorhome diaries, uh, they attempted to. Across the border up to Canada, and they had there was some trouble uh, that they that they had with that. And thank goodness they were together, and they had video cameras, and mm-hmm. they you know had the ability to uh, to document that. So if you do decide this is an issue that's important to you, and it is one that you want to spend time on, um, then make sure you've got yourself armed up with the necessary camera equipment uh, that it will take in order to appropriately document this particular situation because it's going to be those cameras that may prevent them from making some crap up that they otherwise might decide to make up. Maybe they don't like that you've inconvenienced them by having to take you into secondary. Maybe they would have preferred to just wave you on by and maybe they'll they'll make you pay for that somehow by uh, trumping right, right. some... Yeah, actually, going, going to Canada has been much, much worse. I mean, I've had some horrible experiences with that where my wow. car's been tossed and that sucks, man. Let us know how it goes uh, if you decide to do anything, and I thank you for the call tonight. This is Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Live, and you can bring up what you want. If you dial in toll-free, the number for you, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are free. We've got a wiki with over 2,000 pages, and all of those pages were created by listeners just like you. You can go and edit virtually anything you see there, wikiwiki.freetalklive.com. And this program is brought to you by SACL CAI. What is SACL CAI, Mark? Well, it's a, it's a company that, uh, well, more, largely what they do is collections, but they can handle any issue that really involves telephony, calling people, whether it's live callers or recorded calling. Uh, SACL CAI, they're a big sponsor of the show, and you can check out their banner at freetalklive.com and research more about their website. Excellent. Let's continue with your thoughts, your calls about what you want. Jacob is in New Hampshire. Jacob, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Michelle, and Mark. Hi, how are you guys? Hey, hey Jacob. Jacob. What's on your mind? Hey. Uh, I was listening to the podcast. I forget. It was a couple of days ago. You guys were talking about the census. and Someone had called in and talked about uh, how they pretty much received threats from the government for ignoring their census form. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had something similar. Of course, I was in a college dormitory last year, and, of course, when it was census time, they had all the forms. They went around. I'm not sure if the census people themselves came in or the RAs did it, but they came around and they pinned up a little census form on your door. And, of course, I just ignored it for a while and, you know, 
you know, went in my room and eventually got thrown away. And then, of course, they went around, they pinned him up again. Right. And I threw it away again. And then, of course, then I got the uh, angry one that said, if you don't uh, send this one in, we're going to come after you, you know, for whatever federal law you're breaking. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I threw it away again. And then I, uh, the uh, RA has like a little suggestion box where you can put stuff in there. So I, uh, I put something in there that someone kept leaving garbage on my door. <laughs> um, nice. And, of course, they didn't like that. The RA uh, stopped by because uh, they had the census people come through. And, of course, uh, I wasn't there. So, But then they had the RA talk to me. And she said I had to do it, but she wouldn't give me a reason. So of course, <laughs> well, I that's because she was told that you had to do it. Yes, you have to do it. Yeah, and of course. By this time, there's only a week left in school, so I decided to just let it slide. And, yeah, you know, I never, <laughs> I never did that one either. So, um, did they withhold your grades or uh, you know do something terrible to you? Uh, no, nothing happened. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's nice. What I yeah, that's. Uh, I think a lot of people are scared. We we had this topic come up on Saturday night, and. A lot of people are frightened about not filling out the census, and it's understandable. They are a scary group of people. They hurt people. They threaten people. The government folks, of course, is who I'm talking about. And so it's understandable that people would believe that uh, there might be some sort of uh, cage waiting for them if they don't fill out the census. But they're just there doesn't seem to be any evidence to back that up. That the idea that there yeah. is some cage I mean, waiting somebody for you. somebody should show me the person who's been tossed in jail for the census. Yeah. And I, you know, the government's going to take the heat for that. So good on you yeah, for not uh, buckling under the pressure, Jacob. Yeah, well, they they certainly make a big show of it. Of course, they they must have convinced the RA. Of course, I never talked to one of their their uh, census temporary paid workers that must have come around. I must have you know missed them not being there when they came around. But they certainly you know the the last letter you get it's got big you know angry letters on the outside that says all the consequences of not filling out the census form and and all this kind of stuff and the RA. Seem pretty convinced that I had to do it. But. Well, of yes. course. I mean, uh, well, the RA is easily convinced. I mean, right. that the RA has already filled out their census form, and you need to toe the line. They don't exactly know why, but you'll you'll find this with so many people that you know when, when for instance, you know, some store clerk tells you you have to do something. You'll, you ask him, "Is that a law or just some rule from your company?" Well, they'll say it's a law because they don't know any better. <laughs> well, look at the RA. Look at the kind of person who. I mean, I'm going to speculate here. I never went to a college like this, but I'm going to just speculate on the kind of person who would be an RA. RA stands for Residence Assistant, as I understand it. It's the person... Resident Advisor. Resident Advisor. Yes. Uh, they, they're the person who has essentially the responsibilities of kind of taking care of things regarding the dormitory, right? And... Uh, and you would, get free room and board. It would that. seem like somebody who is obedient would be likely to uh, to become an RA. Somebody who is you know respectful toward authority and wants it for themselves. Uh, that would be the yeah, kind it's, of person. It's, not the, uh, it's, it's the kind of like uh, I don't know, like left wing soft handed authoritarianism as opposed to the right wing kind of like. Yeah, not the, the school security guard, but, but the opposite yeah. of that. Yeah, that uh, I see. Yeah. See where you're coming from there. Um, so, yeah, of course they're going to believe the census people when the census people show up and say, oh, now make sure that you get everybody to participate. It's the law. <laughs> yeah. That's all they need to say. Oh, God, we got to do this. Well, and it reflects on them whether or not they uh, yeah, yeah. can get people to submit. You're right. I wonder how many did versus not in your dorm of, of the various different people that live there or the various different rooms because it's one per room. So how many of them were turned in? Do you, did you have any friends that were also similar, uh, similarly refusing? Uh, no, not actually. Um, mm. Most people I know turned them in. Um, I know, I don't know if they hounded everyone. You know, I know pe- some people just, you know, ignored it because it was just a piece of paper. Not that they, you know, 
had any message behind her, you know, not yeah. didn't feel right about filling out that, you know, they were just college students and there's another piece of paper on the door and they kind of ignored it. But, uh, I know my roommate, I had a roommate. I know he filled his out. Um, wait and, a minute. Uh, How can that be? I, there was one per person per room. Isn't so there it? Was one, there's they uh, they, um, did like two forms. They taped it to your door. So, uh, you know, I come and then he already has filled out and either mine would be on my desk because he put it there or mine would still be taped to the door. Did he put your information on his? Do you know? Uh, no. It, I looked at the form and it was like one of their basic info ones. Um, so there was a little box to check if you were living away from home mm. or something like that, as, as I remember. So he, none of he, there's nothing on it that he could have checked and said that I lived there. So it was maybe it was a different form for dorm rooms as opposed to – because normally the census form asks how many people live in a particular household and they request yeah, information a, about those people. There's a little people. thing that asks them uh, – like if there's a little special box, I believe, that you could check to say I'm, I'm living away at a college right now or mm. something like that. Okay. Interesting. And thanks for sharing that tonight. Anything else on your mind tonight, Jacob? Uh, that'd be it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. So a, a census refusal success story where somebody, another person, has refused to cooperate, even in the face of the threats, even in the face of the, the bold threats uh, written on the envelope that say <laughs> that it's the law. You must obey. Well, I didn't. They came to my house six times. Six. They, six times. And the last time... The, up here in New Hampshire? No, I was still in Nashville. Oh, okay. And the last time that... The, and it was always the same two gals. And the last time that the two came was, um, I think, two days before I was moving. And um, as the kids and I were driving around in my you know big diesel truck, one actually came up to the truck and got in between the door and oh, me. God. Like inside, so the she door. C- you couldn't close the door. Correct. And this is what this is what government authority does to people. Yeah. This is a part-time, uh, temporary census worker who mm-hmm. believes that they've somehow been imbued with the power <laughs> of the government. I will get your. You, not only will I get your information because I can count your kids right here, lady, but you're going to tell it to me. I'm going to you make owe me answers. you tell me because well, you're my servant. Right. They actually made the mistake of trying to get into a, an argument and uh, about the law and government <laughs> and everything with with the kids and me. And um, Omar at the time was had just finished taking a constitutional law class. It's like a you know college level course, and and so he got to um, educate the women, and their heads were reeling. And and finally were they together or. Was it two women together? Two women together. It's, they always go in they pairs. They double teamed you. From what I understand. They didn't I do understand. that up here. No? They did not hear, oh, yeah. No. Maybe it was because I lived in kind of a shady side of town. Maybe it was because they knew you were trouble. <laughs> I don't know. That's it. I don't know either. Was it, two, was it two women the first time they came? I don't know because they left a note. Uh, but they actually came where we talked to them four times. So even after you you explicitly refused to... Uh, consent they still kept coming back yes i said i'm busy i don't have time for you no i'm not going to do this i'm not interested oh but you have to because we're trying to draw the lines for voting and for school though my kids don't go to school and i'm not going to be here voting but you just need to do this because don't you care about your country don't you care you know they were asking me the wrong questions (laughs) 
Yeah, I had fun with uh, with the census bureaucrats. When you they, put a, a camera in their face, didn't right. you? That's Good right. for you. Yeah, I recorded both of them. They were supposed. I heard rumor that they were supposed to come back, or one of them was supposed to come back a third time. Allegedly, she just claimed that she did. Why would she waste her time with you? She didn't. <laughs> I don't know if it was a waste of time. We had a nice conversation. I thought it was pretty good. Apparently, she didn't think it was so nice. Maybe she was hoping he'd be assertive with her. (laughs) (laughs) More coming up. You can take control and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area. Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Or visit porcupinerealtor.com. That's porcupinerealtor.com. You take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. And uh, enjoy the various features that we have there. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that. You can do that by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live gets a portion of the final purchase price. It's normally money that would all go into Amazon's uh, bank account, but they send it to us because we're sending them the business. So get your shopping done, get the stuff you want, and get the stuff you need over at amazon.freetalklive.com. Also, uh, there are journalism internships at libertarianinternships.com and internships in public policy. You can go there and check them out. They have uh, mentoring for these, stipend. That, that means you get paid. It includes participation at IHS Summer Career Workshop. They have them for not only the summer, but the uh, spring, the fall. Go check them out. They're internships in federal or state policy, print, broadcast, new media, investigative journalism, all Majors are encouraged to apply. This is for graduate students, recent graduates, and undergraduates. They have housing assistance. Check it out. LibertarianInternships.com. All right. So earlier in the program, we were telling you, and we'll tell you now, about David Nutt. He's a professor who formerly was working with the, the U.K. government. He was their chief drugs advisor, and they fired him in October of 2009. He since uh, went on his own to form the Independent Scientific Committee on Drugs, which aims to investigate the drug issue without any political interference. And they have come out with a helpful little chart that I believe a similar chart to this was published last year, and I think Mr. Nutt was uh, was involved in that as well, that essentially takes a look at uh, the various different drugs that are available, both legal and illegal, and compares them together, creates a score, two scores, one scoring the drug on its harm to others, another scoring the drug on its harm to the individual users that uh, that choose to use it. And they're, they're factoring in mental and physical damage, addiction, crime, and cost to the economy and communities. And they found that alcohol, by far, is the, the most harmful of all of the drugs, followed closely by heroin and crack cocaine. Now, if you just look at the segments of their chart that only looks at harm to users, alcohol is not the most harmful. The most harmful, I would say, is probably heroin and crack. Uh, those are the two most harmful there, followed by methamphetamine and then maybe alcohol uh, after that. 
the uh, cannabis is relatively high on the list, which seems kind of silly. It's uh, it's a little, bit, I guess, kind of a midpoint on the list. Uh, What's the claim um, that where it where it is most harmful? I I'm not sure. I don't know if they. I don't know if we get that kind of a breakdown here, at, at least okay. from this news piece from the BBC. Uh, but the study involved 16 criteria, including a drug's effects on users' physical and mental health, social harms, including crime, family adversities. And environmental damage, economic costs, and international damage. So eh, maybe some questionable factors in there. Well, marijuana um, and its international damage. There's certainly it's certainly there. A lot of uh, there's a lot of crime around the drug war. This is true. How much of it is around marijuana? I'm not certain. I, I don't. Know. I doubt it's very much. But the but that's not. They're to moving say that a lot of exist. weed over the across the border. The modeling exercise concluded that heroin, crack, and methyl methylamphetamine, also known as crystal meth, were the most uh, most harmful drugs to individuals. But alcohol, heroin, and crack cocaine were the most harmful to society. When the scores for both types of harm were added together, alcohol emerged as the most harmful drug, followed by heroin and crack, with LSD and ecstasy and mushrooms uh, pretty much at the very bottom of the chart. Mushrooms being the uh, allegedly the least harmful of the drugs, which is very interesting that cannabis would score higher on the harm chart than mushrooms. I would really like to know the rationale there. Well, um, the, it, it, this includes the harm to international harm and stuff like that. Is that what you're saying? It includes harm to Which others is... and harm to users. And okay. the mushrooms well, that... aren't even ranked as having harm to others, just harm to users. Okay. Well, I, I, if maybe I'm wrong here, and, and catch me if I am. But what I'm thinking is, is the marijuana is involved in sort of the drug trade, and mushrooms really isn't. So there's a, a level of harm to what others. What would make you that, think that mushrooms aren't involved in the drug there's trade? There's just not that many being sold around. Sold around. How you many just, times have you difficult? Have you, have you to bought get them, them recently? Recently? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a long time, my friend. Well, people I haven't sell bu- mushrooms. Haven't bought them at all. They, they, uh, they, I'm they from go Oregon. We used to just go to the cow. Right. The cow, <laughs> cow fields is where you go get mushrooms. Yeah. Well, if you want to get mushrooms that were grown specifically for the purpose of uh, of taking them and not risking going to the cow pastures, because that's one of those behaviors that can result in people picking the wrong mushrooms and then getting themselves quite sick. Because every time you take a, a mushroom, you are poisoning yourself uh, mm-hmm. to some extent. And uh, some poisons are much worse than others. Indeed. Now, I would like to know the positive effect of uh of marijuana consumption from this perspective. Let's say that I'm a a critic of marijuana use and I condone it. I would therefore think that it You're a critic and you condone it? I mean, I'm sorry, I condemn it. I'm sorry, thank you, thank you. I condemn it. I would think that that I should support actually using reverse psychology, the use of marijuana, because it decreases your sperm count. So there's less likelihood that you're going to procreate. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. I've heard that one before, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I suspect it is one of the myths about so, marijuana. So we'll get that. If it's in fact true, though, we could just breed out the marijuana smoker. Did that work in 1969? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, think about all the people that uh, were known for being hippies and smoking marijuana. Did the hippies end up having kids? Yes. Lots of them. Yes, they did. So I I don't know if there's any truth to that claim. They forgot who the dads were. Maybe that was the... (laughs) So the findings run contrary to the government's long-established drug classification system, but the paper's authors argue their system, based on the consensus of experts, provides an accurate assessment of harm for policymakers. They say that their findings lend support to previous work in the UK and the Netherlands, confirming that the present drug classification systems have little relation to the evidence of harm. 
and they also accord with the conclusions of previous expert reports that aggressively targeting alcohol harms is valid and necessary public health strategy. Now, I don't know what they mean when they say aggressively targeting alcohol harms. I'm not sure what that means, but I generally think that aggressing in any form is a bad idea. It's not a way to solve people's problems with substances by aggressing against them. The way to help people with alcohol problems is to offer the assistance and to allow people to uh, to make choices for themselves at a young age, especially when it comes to alcohol, because young people are prohibited from, in, in this country at least, are prohibited from using alcohol. It leads to some very undesirable effects where they aren't learning an appropriate way to handle drinking. They're not learning how to drink in moderation. I sure didn't. I didn't, drink, I didn't learn how to drink in moderation until my mid-20s. Um, and so they're learning it from their friends and they're learning some real bad habits. So starting early and allowing people to, uh, to consume alcohol at an early age with parents, for instance, without the parents having to be afraid of getting charged with some sort of mm-hmm. delinquency crime or contributing to the delinquency of minors, I think that would go a long way to helping folks. Also, repealing zoning ordinances, repealing uh, alcohol control ordinances would also help because then somebody could open up a bar in their kitchen. They, it wouldn't be a problem to have bars in every neighborhood of the entire, uh, you know, wherever the demand would be, there would be a bar to serve that demand without the bar owner having to jump through some governmental hoops, having to get some kind of uh, expensive, very expensive permit. In many cases, those permits are not available. In uh, I think it's Florida. They're, uh, they're pretty much not giving them out. If you want to get an alcohol or a liquor license, you have to buy it from buy somebody it from else, someone that has yeah. one. Or Sometimes that- they have auctions for them, but... Right. But yeah, it's one of those things with very controlled, like a taxi cab medallion. Mm -hmm. And so the more restricted the marketplace is, the more people are going to have to drive in order to consume their alcohol. You put Mm -hmm. alcohol people, you know, people consuming alcohol behind the wheel, you're going to get problems. So you look at the different areas where you've got real problems with uh, what alcohol, the problems the alcohol creates in society. You've got car accidents. You've got uh, binge drinking. Mm -hmm. There are really simple ways to reduce those incidents and none of it nobody's proposing that it's always aggression let's let's crack down my kids have always been allowed to drink at home and um when i would have other and kids... cps is now looking for you <laughs> <laughs> and when i would have uh other children over to my house and there was going to be some sort of party or event then i would discuss with their parents and, and let them know and and i have this very dear friend claudio from um uh, Chile and his daughter, you know, Ella was my daughter's age and they would drink wine when we were having dinner and what have you. And and he was all right with it. Absolutely. Oh, and my kids have never gone out and, you know, been found drunk in the park like mm. I was I when that. I was their age. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and so for, for us and, you know, we've been to Europe and they would drink in restaurants even mm-hmm. over there as long as they were with their parents. And and um, I've never had a problem with alcohol with my children. And um, the incidents of alcoholism in Europe are much lower than they are in the United States. And, uh, and from pretty much anybody that I can talk to in Europe in any country says that the drinking age is 18, but that is not really enforced, that a, that a 16 year old can go into a store and buy alcohol. It's probably enforced more so in bars and um, where you know they might go nightclubbing or something like that. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. Coming up, the Hell House. We didn't get a chance to talk about it this weekend, but Michelle's here. She's a Christian. Let's talk about the Hell House. So, you want to move to New Hampshire for liberty? 
nhmove.info has articles, links, and activism alerts to help you decide exactly where and how to make your move. Even job listings. Browse the inventory of Liberty blogs, sites, and media, or promote your own efforts, all free, at nhmove.info. If you're moving to New Hampshire, you better go now and bookmark nhmove.info. Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various different features we have there completely free. So head over there and enjoy those on us. Uh, again, freetalklive.com. So Saturday night it was Halloween Eve, and I, I really wanted to talk about the, uh, the you know the, the requisite Halloween stories that we like to every single year here on Free Talk Live, and we didn't get to a. Single but you one. wanted to start out with something else, so you know. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, we had the Voice from Liberty on tour on, and I think they're a little more important than a requisite story, so we had them on instead. And uh, of course, they're at libertyontour.com. But I still have the piece that I thought was most interesting of all of them, and that is the Hell House. And, of course, uh, Michelle is with us here tonight as uh, one of the resident Christians on the program. We just had a, a nice uh, so hilarious. conversation about Christianity during the break, and hopefully some of that will carry over here uh, into this. Because they're happening – they happen every single year. Uh, and, Michelle, you actually said you were unfamiliar with the Hell House concept. Correct. Uh, essentially, it's a, it, I believe it's mostly an evangelical thing, uh, but – I, I'm not sure. I think it probably. Is I don't spreads, know if it's evangelical as much as it's, it's certainly hellfire brimstone kind of uh, uh, of a belief. And I, I would ask Michelle, different Christians believe different things on this subject. Oh no! Here Do you we believe go. that hell exists? Yes. Okay. Let's get into that in a moment here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's more of the theological side right. of things. Uh, let's talk about the reality side of what these things are. These houses, and I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about this, Michelle. The corpse of Abby, this is from the uh, Charleston City Paper in South Carolina at charlestoncitypaper.com. The corpse of Abby Endicott lay before me, blood staining her face and neck. The SUV that had struck her was empty, it hood, its hood covered with the carcass of a waiter. Other bodies were strewn about the sidewalk cafe like that of Abby's brother, unconscious, and her mother Carol, dead. The driver, a teenage girl whose shirt advertised her senior status in high school, was in a fit of hysteria, confused words spewing out of her mouth. She'd been texting while driving, she frantically explained. Is her... texting while driving a sin now? Go ahead. <laughs> and her dad was going to kill her. Meanwhile, the teenage girls next to me locked arms, bracing themselves against the shocking yet exciting imagery. Despite the carnage we just witnessed, the jovial curiosity that they had at the beginning of the night lingered. A group of eight or so kids joined by a couple of chaperones, a set of parents with their son, two adult women, and myself and my two friends were directed to turn around by our accommodating guide, a sweet woman. We now faced Abby and Carol's funeral. It was only moments earlier that I saw Abby's day unfold, breakfast with her family, her trip to her friend's church, her decision to accept Jesus as her savior, and Carol's skepticism at the idea. 
And as Charleston Baptist Church's Judgment House was about to show me, this decision changed Abby's eternal fate. The church used its West Ashley facility to present the story of the Endicotts as an evangelical Christian alternative not only to traditional Halloween, but to the darker and more violent hell houses that have garnered so much controversy in the last 20 years. William S. Poole, a professor of American religion in the history department at the College of Charleston, says, I do see it as a historical phenomenon. See, Poole has explored hell houses in his books Satan in America, The Devil We Know, and Monsters in America, Our Historic Obsession with the Hideous and the Horrible, which will be released in 2011. He said that I think it does grow out of the satanic panic, which was this concern that swept the country in the 1980s yeah. and the early 90s. Wait hell! That there was some sort of this satanic underground that was operating. What went along with that was a nervousness about Halloween itself and the idea that Halloween was somehow a satanic holiday. And so the Hell House was going to be this Christian version of Halloween. It was something that Christians could do with Halloween. Because a lot of Christian uh, churches you know, would prohibit uh, any participation in Halloween and therefore yes. because uh, kids would want to participate in Halloween because it's fun <laughs> getting dressed right. up in candy and, uh, and making things. That's fun. And so uh, in, in many cases, uh, if, they, if they were in a very devout Christian family, a child would be very upset or depressed that they wouldn't be able to participate in the Halloween party at school. I remember there was usually one or right. two kids that would go to the, uh, you know, they would go to the office and they'd sit there throughout the Halloween party when I was in, in elementary school. And that's a bummer for kids. And so Christian churches... This happened at my Christian school. There was, uh, as I recall, a, a They a had girl. a Halloween party? Yeah, of course they did. Okay. I well, mean, the whole thing, though... Okay, now let's talk about... I mean, you, you can't... You can have a Halloween party, but you can't sing Christmas songs. You... I mean, the thing... So so public schools... Let's just abolish them. Boom. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. I was so that's, so that's, okay. that is it. Okay, but, so but private that's, that's one of the reasons these hell houses came about right. is for the, the Christians to create something for they have their harvest flock festivals to do too. On, on Halloween. Indeed. Yeah, they have harvest festivals and they have trunk or tr- trick or trunk. Trick. What's that? Where they have, that's a big thing in Park City, Utah, with the Mormons, where they have, they have trunks, and you go around, and their cars are out there, and their goodies in the trunk, and they, you know, everyone dresses up, and, and whatever, and, you know, uh, um, is this part of the clown posse thing, is what I want to know. Is this a, clown posse? Yeah, is this a way to get people converted by, you know... Well, that's what they're trying to do with okay. the hell houses, uh, is essentially scare people into joining up with the church. Usually there's a pitch at the very end to join the church after the uh, folks have gone through this maze of uh, just horrific scenes. It's not a pitch to join the church. I mean, I mean effectively that's what it is, but it's, it's, it's a threat of going to hell, is what it is. Yeah, the Bible I read says Jesus said, "They'll know you by your fruit, mm-hmm. and and uh, clothe and feed orphans and and widows, and love people." So I don't. That, yeah. So if those three things are the criteria that that Jesus, who is the author of my faith, laid out, I don't really see how telling people that uh, <laughs> is really going to bring about their conversion. Personally. Well, I, I can tell you that I, I firmly believe that the reason that Christianity is the pinnacle of, of, of 
religion evolution in today's society. The reason that there are more Christians, as I understand it, in the world than there is in, in any other religion is because they have the carrot and the stick. They have mm. the, the carrot of, uh, of heaven, but they've got the stick of hell. And it just doesn't exist in too many other uh, uh, religions. So Islam's for, the fastest growing religion. Though. I, 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 they've got seven they versions. They've got the carrot and the stick, too. <laughs> so um, uh, I, that's all I've got to say on right. those, those subjects is it's, it's the carrot and the stick is what's effective. And what I find when you, when you many Christians will say something like, well, look, I've got my faith. You've got whatever you've got over there. And if I'm right, I go to heaven. If I'm wrong, I go into the ground. What did I lose? And they really don't what they don't take into consideration is what about all those other religions out there? But then when you examine those other religions, most religions don't threaten you with a hell if you're bad or reward you if a heaven with a heaven. You're, if you're good, they just have, you know, whatever afterlife they have or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So there's not that me- the carrot and the stick is extraordinarily effective in, in Let me my tell opinion. you more about the Hell Houses, uh, since Michelle is fairly unfamiliar, and I'm sure many of our listeners are unfamiliar as well. The origin of Hell Houses isn't entirely clear, although churches in Colorado and Texas lay claim. They began getting national attention with a publication of a Boston Globe article in the late 90s. The Trinity Church Assembly of God in Cedar Hill, Texas, garnered controversy by depicting a school shooting in the wake of Columbine and an attack at a nearby church. In 2001, the documentary Hell House followed Trinity's yearly production. Evangelical churches generally host the houses, and evangelicals generally attend them. They're mostly centered in parts of the country where faith is, uh, where that faith is the strongest, like Texas, Colorado, and South Carolina. Poole thinks the evangelical groups that stage Hell Houses believe that America is under siege by dark forces. They're being Christian warriors by doing this, he says, especially when it's youth groups involved. They're kind of underscoring their support for the parents' values. In the Hell Houses, attendees are pretty much guaranteed to see a few specific scenarios. Teens die in an alcohol-fueled car wreck. A gay man succumbs to AIDS. There's always the gay guys. Yeah, I got it. Jesus hates fags. Come on. I mean, I'm sorry. That's that's what the Bible says. You know, it doesn't say that. And it, it, there's nowhere in the Bible. That I've got it's, from what I've uh, been able to tell the ascertain. The Bible says that Chris, that uh, homosexuality is an abomination. That's what all I can tell. I don't think that's a good way to convert uh, our our homosexual friends to whatever religion it is you want. But uh, S- sexual sin, we'll we'll use mm-hmm. that terminology. Sexual sin, whether it's sex outside of marriage or sex with someone you don't love or homosexual. Parents of America, beware! The nefarious brigands known as Yerkish are now offering a free download of their so-called music at yerkish.com slash FTL. That's Y-E-R-K-I-S-H dot com slash FTL. Be warned. Exposure to this addictive, mind-altering rock and roll has been shown to cause frustration, damnation, even sexual deviance. So fathers, lock up your daughters, mothers, cover your sons' ears, and do whatever it takes to keep them away from yerkish.com slash FTL. Talk live, and you can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll free at 800 259 9231. That's SACL CAI toll free line. And joining you tonight, it's Ian, Michelle, and Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, and enjoy the features we have there for you for free. That's the way a good talk show website should be. So head over there and enjoy those uh, features, which include things like our webcam. Uh, you can watch, you can listen, and you can interact over there at cam.freetalklive.com. We've got our uh, cam mixed in with the chat page, so you can chat 
and watch and listen all at the same time. And it's all free. Cam.freetalklive.com, brought to you by Memory Dealers. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. They offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers. They're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers and up to 99% off of list price. Their stuff's in stock, ready to ship, via overnight delivery. They are memorydealers.com. So we're sharing with you the requisite story, at least from my perspective, about the Hell House. I, I always enjoy talking about these because I think they're, they're such an unusual uh, phenomenon. Uh, I guess maybe it's not so unusual anymore, but we're sitting here with Michelle. And Remember, it's only in America. Yeah, we're, we're sitting here with Michelle, and she is a Christian, and she's never even heard of the Hell House before. So, right. uh, so clearly it is a still, some, to some extent, unusual. But you'll find them in more of the evangelical areas of the country. And I recall even, I, th- I, I do recall going to one of these as a kid in Sarasota, Florida. So I went to one in Palmetto. Yeah. Uh, and as, I missed out, obviously. <laughs> now, this was at a Baptist church, not an evangelical church. Yeah, I don't recall what kind of church the one I went to was, but uh, they're pointing out there's certain things that you typically will see at a so-called hell house. This is the Charleston City Paper reporting on this in South Carolina. Uh, You'll see teens dying in an alcohol-fueled car wreck, a gay man succumbing to AIDS, and a girl graphically hemorrhaging after a botched abortion procedure. Oh, gosh. All of these poor, departed souls are taken by a taunting, demon-like figure to the house's version of hell, unless they accept Jesus into their lives before they die. Then they get to go to heaven. Most of the scandal created by these houses doesn't seem to come from uh, much doesn't seem to come so much from what they're trying to say, but how they say it. Borrowing a horror film aesthetic, some churches used real animal entrails during particularly horrific moments. It's things that most parents who are in that tradition would never allow their kids to see in another setting. In a theater, for example, says Poole, but this is their their expert. Uh, But because the goal is seeing it as a conversion and convincing people of the literal possibility as hell, then this is seen as an acceptable kind of presentation. They also employ the most basic and negative cliches in presenting homosexuality, rape, and suicide. Mm. And at the end, a clergy member or volunteer will give the audience a choice. They can let Jesus into their hearts, or they can reject him. They can let the host church counsel them, pray with them, and possibly convert them, or they can make a decision that the church believes you will regret for all eternity. But hell houses aren't the only evangelical spook houses around. After the backlash that many churches received, some turned to a cuddlier version of the hell house. Judgment houses. Judgment houses. Wow. Have replaced This is embarrassing. Why would you say that? Oh. What's what's embarrassing? I just think that there's such an incredible shortage of love and grace and empathy and compassion and kindness and... So scaring people isn't the way to get them to, co- to come to church? Is, is that what you're saying? I don't think it's representational of what Jesus Christ did when he walked the earth. You know, if you believe the Bible and, and you know, other historical documents to be true. And um, no, I don't I don't think it's effective. And I don't think the means just isn't that really the their big. Uh, I mean, isn't that really their most effective thing is to scare people into to joining up? Isn't that kind of the big push for Christians? It wasn't effective for Michelle. <laughs> it wasn't effective for me. I mean, um, What no. worked for you? Because you came in, I heard you guys talking during the break, uh, you came in from the outside of Christianity, you weren't raised in a Christian household? No, I was raised Catholic, but I didn't believe at all. 
not at all. And I believe that if there was a God, uh, he uh, certainly had not made things easy for me, and I hated him. Mm. <laughs> That's know? what they call a maltheist, yeah. actually, is the term. A maltheist. Yeah. Maltheist. Meaning what? <clears throat> a person that believes God is bad. Ah. Yeah. And, uh, but it's always just based, mean to me, maybe. I don't know. It's always based upon the Christian concept of God, essentially, that, that I've heard of, is that, you know, they, that he follows these rules or whatever in your understanding of the world. So what part of the pitch was uh, I had a radical to? conversion, you know, he heard God's voice and miracles and, you know, got healed from things. So it was uh, it was quite a story. I'd be happy to tell it to you sometime. But but, you know, that aside, what I've seen um, is to be the most effective is is kindness and and being loving. And and, you know, there's like, yeah, nothing, I want to be around this group of people. Yeah, kind of there's nothing worse than I remember when the whole abortion thing came up. I've never had an unwanted pregnancy. I was pregnant three times. I have three children. I'm glad that I was never in a situation where I was pregnant and didn't want to be. I'm very mm. grateful for that. But, you know, I can't imagine being in that situation and having someone stand out in front of a clinic when I thought that there is absolutely no other option for me and I'm scared and I'm upset and I'm hormonal, I'm freaking out and I'm broke and I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. So I think that the only option is to go and have something ripped out of my body or sucked out or whatever. And someone is standing in front of me saying, you're going to go to hell and you're a murderer, as opposed to. Can I take you home and I will pay and support you while you are pregnant and I will adopt your baby? Mm. Yeah, I think that that is where one comes that, from love, the other doesn't. In that particular area where Christians really could win rather than this whole, uh, mm-hmm. you know, keeping a keeping a specimen jar full of dead baby parts or whatever it is that they yeah. shake at people at these things. It's uh, it, I find it disgusting and I believe that abortion's wrong, too. So um, but Jesus hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. He wasn't hanging out with the and tax collectors were the most hated people at the time and wasn't hanging out with uh with the the flock the upper crust the you know the do-gooders the judge burks and it's what was the sign i mean you mentioned the i'd uh, like to tell about my uh uh, hell house uh story here yeah okay i had a girlfriend um who went with me at the time um she made how old were you i in my early 30s oh okay um we you know just Just kind of went on a lark essentially with uh some friends of hers how did you find out about it some friends of hers wanted uh-huh. to go to this, and I don't remember exactly. Were they evangelical like, Christians? I don't or know. I can't, I can't remember. Okay. Um, I think not, but we went to this hell house, and it was mostly on a lark. And usually, that's how it happens, though, right? Like the evangelicals will try to bring their friends to the you know the hell house. Could be. I, I just can't remember. Because how many people are going to see this in the newspaper and say, "Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I really want to go see the Christian hell house," if they're not already interested in in that kind of thing. So um, what I don't believe I did was prepare her for the inevitable altar call that was going to be at the end. <laughs> and the, the, where she, they ask you to join you to uh, this thing was high end. Yes, uh, was high end and uh, horrifying. It was absolutely a really great hell house. And like they put a lot of money in. And yeah. This really girl nice. was scared and convinced. The and, girl you were with. Yes. And uh, she, she looks at me like. Are you going to go up there? I don't know whether she's like, is it okay for me to go up there or whether she wanted me to go up there with her or whatever it is she wanted. My only answer to her when she looked at me pleadingly was no. 
And I, you know, because I find I have I found my experience with Christianity to be extraordinarily damaging for me. So you weren't willing to go with her to woo her. I would have her in the done sack. anything. Uh, well, I was I had her in the sack many times at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but I had no oh intention of getting involved. I walked with right these into folks. that. Yeah. All right, we're gonna come back with more here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you've got a hell house story, you're welcome to share it. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You'll find that the features there are free. We've got a lot of them, including our mobile site. If you've got a smartphone, you can go to m.freetalklive.com for quick access to our, blo- our, uh, our streams as well as our podcasts. You can go to m.freetalklive.com to get those. Of course, it's all free. Are you on any medications? Are you getting your meds at a local pharmacy? If you are, you're likely paying more than you have to. There's a better way. Discount prescription services will get you your meds at discounts as high as 70% off, and they'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com. Click become a member on the left-hand side of the page there. Their customer service is excellent. I've walked through the process. They will walk you through every step, and you will save big time. It's meds.freetalklive.com. This is for any sort of ongoing medical thing. I don't think that this is quite as appropriate for you if you, say, have one week's worth of you know, pain meds or something like that. This is more for people who have an ongoing thing. So there's Boniva, Ambify, Lipitor, Nexium, Zetia, Viagra, Cialis, whatever. Meds.freetalklive.com. All right, so we're talking about the Hell House phenomenon from charlestoncitypaper.com, and apparently there's been a lot of heat that some churches have received over uh, their Hell House presentations, which in many cases are very graphic. Uh, they're, they're gory and 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 you know violent, perhaps. Uh, they usually include certain things that are offensive as well, uh, like you know suggesting that gay people are going to die mm. from AIDS. Um, and so they, they've taken a lot of heat, and so as a result, they've come out with the Judgment House, which, as one of the experts uh, that the Charleston City Paper here is citing, uh, says that it's essentially a kinder, gentler version of the uh, the Hell House. They have replaced the gore. These Judgment Houses have replaced the blatant gore with family value-based themes, avoiding the most tendentious issues. He says, I think that's been the realization for, there's been the realization for some that the Hell House pushed so many hot buttons that it turned people off, whereas the Judgment House uh, is kinder and gentler, although it's still heavily, heavily politicized and a lot of emphasis is on the safety of the world of Christian churches and youth groups and suburbs and all of that. 
New Christian, or excuse me, New Creation Evangelism Incorporated, based in Clearwater, runs Judgment House, a company that provides scripts, including the one being used by Charleston's Baptist Church, to churches known as their covenant partners around the country, including 15 in South Carolina and the world. To date, the company's website states their scenarios have been performed in 34 states and seven foreign countries. The 13 different stories include Web of Lies, where a young girl meets a sexual predator on the internet. And the more lighthearted Hannah's Hope about a girl with cancer who inspires her high school and her entire community. This year, Charleston Baptist chose to perform Unexpected, which climaxes with a tragedy caused by texting and driving. The Judgment Houses are less confrontational, but some of them do depict hell, and they're still a hard sell at the end. It's still heavily ideological, says Poole. It's just that it's a little bit less in your face. Mm. Charleston's Baptist Church's Judgment House is in its fifth year, and Susan Murphy served as its director each time. She explains the attraction is an eight-scene walkthrough drama. She says a guide leads you from scene to scene, and a story unfolds, and you find out that their decisions in life uh, and what might happen depending on the decisions that they make. Of course, it's Christian-based, she says. Putting the house on is a year-long process. As soon as one Halloween season is over, she's back at work finding a script for the next year. And their Judgment House is a youth-led program that ends up using 200 to 250 members of the local Christian community. 100 are used in the cast, while the others work in the background, like with counseling. Some of the program's funding comes from the church itself. The rest comes from donations. And they go on and they you know, talk a little bit more about what, uh, what the Hell Houses are. Poole visited the Washington Avenue Baptist Church Hell House in Greenville as a graduate student. Since it was the mid-90s, he couldn't make a reservation through the church's website like I did. Instead, he had to wait in a long line with kids as young as eight says honestly my own view is that it's a profoundly negative experience it's possible that some people are joining these churches and becoming a part of these churches because of this but the message that's communicated is that the people you disagree with over political and cultural issues are motivated by satan essentially at the time Poole was about to lose a friend to aids and then he had to see a scene that exploited every kind of stereotype connected with the disease ending with the victim getting dragged off to hell he says it was anger-inducing and horrifying, saying this was a way to portray people that are different from you as demonic in some sense. Wow. Well, you know, let's suspend disbelief just for a moment and, and approach it purely from a logical and objective argument. If, in fact, that you come from the position that you necessarily will go to hell if you do not believe, and these examples are being used... Uh, there's there's a disconnect there. You don't necessarily get into a car accident by texting. You don't necessarily get AIDS if you are gay. So I, the idea that they're using these these um, potential you know outcomes to to support an absolute what they're what they're calling an absolute mm-hmm. outcome, I think makes it disingenuous for one thing. And, and I don't think that anyone really wants to stake their, their eternal salvation because that's what the claim is on something that's insincere and disingenuous. I don't, you know, I've, I've got to say that I, I think that Christianity, um, although the Christians I like best are the ones that, uh, are, are like you, Michelle, honestly, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, Me too. yeah, that, that, are, that aren't going to be judgmental, that, that the church isn't some kind of social club. It was where... the pole dancing, wasn't it, Mark? <laughs> 
those kind of uh, I, don't, I don't know the pole dancing precisely, but you know just uh, that they're they're much that they wear that they show their religion to you by their lives and how they live as opposed to mm. trying to to preach you into the ground and threaten you, you with hell and all those things. Those are the the things that truly bother me. The the judgmental aspect uh, that I have seen in. Christian churches up to this point. And I think that that's, I think that that essentially comes from the side of Christianity where they threaten you with hell. I mean, hell has been a, a strong and motivating part of Christianity since it's been around. And I mean, the Puritans believe that the devils lived in the woods. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. so that's why that's where old scratch was found is mm-hmm. out in the woods. So uh, an interesting aspect to the hell house is the final scene uh, or the final room where questions are asked of the, the folks that have been going through in a group. And it brings up the psychology of groups and, and how uh, people respond to questions when other people in a group do certain things. There have been studies that have been done where, you know, they'll draw lines on a piece of paper and they'll ask the group well you know are the are are all the lines the same length and or whatever and something something to that effect and essentially the group is full of confederates people that are in on the study and they all will say something like yeah they're all the all the lines at the same length and the person who's actually being studied the question is will they go along with what the group says if the lines are obviously not the same length but yet everyone in the group has said that they are what will that person say and so you come to the last room in this uh, this hell house and as Poole journeyed to the through the house to hell and back he reached the final room where a clergy member asked the group to raise their hand if they accepted Christ as their savior Poole didn't something he regretted when a volunteer came up to him to counsel him on his faith Cool. Yeah, this did not happen when I went. Um, and, you know, I can tell you that they would have picked the wrong guy in order to do this. I have a uh, a, a deep and abiding understanding of, of the Bible and uh, to send to send some uh, hardly schooled uh, youngster out to talk to me about why I should uh, to join their church is, is a really bad idea. <laughs> Mm. Poole didn't get anything positive out of his experience. He says, I guess I wish they would go away is my final view. But Poole has never been to a judgment house. So back to the judgment house. Uh, The judgment house scenes following the accident that was described earlier were still jarring. Uh, While Abby is allowed into heaven, a cloaked figure carries Carol screaming off through a curtain. It didn't matter how good she tried to be during her life. The cloaked figure thing I I find to be uh, theologically wrong. Uh, No devil, the devil will not drag you down to hell if, in fact, humans go to hell. And I I would remain dubious. But um, if, in fact, that's the case, the devil wouldn't take you. God would damn you there. He would send you directly himself. And so the idea of using a cloaked figure is not uh, is, is not theologically correct. And I think that they're misinforming people. Well, it's, it's hard to actually bring God into the production and have him damn anybody at that moment. But, so. put, a, put a giant <laughs> finger. Everybody will know what you're talking about. But it didn't matter even if she was a Christian. What mattered was whether or not she had accepted Jesus and the character in this particular uh, judgment house had not. And that's the idea the judgment house seemed to emphasize the most. More coming up here. You can bring up anything this this is Free Talk Live. 1 800 259 This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. 
Take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll free 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 800 259 9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have there completely free. Head over there and uh, get interactive in various different ways at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support uh, Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as $3 per month. We'll take that money in and reinvest it into the program, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more internet listeners on board, and exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up with any major credit card, PayPal, or some alternative offer, or options. rather. Amp.freetalklive.com. This evening, it is Ian here. Michelle. And Mark. And we're talking about the Judgment House, which is a modification of the Christian evangelical Christian hell houses that have become so popular over the last couple of decades. Uh, the hell house is taking on a lot of critique for being too uh, too politic- uh, politically correct or incorrect, rather, whatever, being uh, rude in the way they approach things and uh, excessively political and violent and They've, been, they've taken a lot of heat for various different reasons, and so now the Judgment House has come in, which has kind of tamed things down a little bit. But the message is still pretty clear, as the author over at CharlestonCityPaper.com points out, that uh, it doesn't matter if you're a good person in life. It doesn't even matter if you consider yourself a Christian. What matters is whether you've accepted Jesus, and at the very end, uh, he's describing his experience in this Judgment House – so there was two girls uh, that died in a car crash. One of them apparently had accepted Jesus, and so she went to uh, to heaven while the other girl, Carol, uh, went uh, was dragged off to hell. We eventually find her in a warm and smoky room with black walls, crouched in a corner, rocking and weeping as an intimidating man in a black T-shirt sermonizes to the audience, illustrating what hell may really be like. Hmm. A younger man whimpers against a wall, his head in his knees. He, too, was a victim of the accident, but he was 18 and thought that he had all the time in the world before he needed to accept Jesus. He was wrong. And in a flash, what little light there was went out, and the screaming began. As the audience escaped the room, young men and women appeared out of nowhere, wailing, their arms shackled to the walls. After that, we were taken to heaven. We got to see what happened to Abby, who the church believed made the right decision. A chorus of white-robed angels greeted us, and we were led into the kingdom and to Jesus himself. And then Jesus hugged all of us. At the end of the night, we were taken into the final room where the acting was over and reality set in. We sat in a circle, listened to a church member explain the real reason for the judgment house as a box of tissues waited patiently on the table in the center. He asked us to close our eyes, bow our heads, and pray. The ultimate goal of these houses is to get people to accept Jesus into their lives, to get saved, but generally, the people who come to them are already living with this faith. They're members of the Charleston Baptist Church or other neighboring evangelical churches. One by one, the man presented us with questions. Were we unsure where we would end up after death? Did we need to recommit ourselves to Christ? If we raised our hand in answer, we were escorted to another room. When my friends and I were asked <clears throat> were asked to open our eyes and our chance for redemption that night had passed, the room was almost empty. So what happens is the people within the church community, in this case the Charleston Baptist Church, uh, they bring friends to this who they believe need to be saved. And then toward the very end, the very last uh, room, they are given the the opportunity to to join up. And because the the hell house or the judgment house in this case, the attendees – are probably 90 or 80, 90 percent the church members. They are, you're in that group situation where people feel pressured because, well, everybody else is raising their hands. You don't want to look bad by not. 
going along with the flow. And there's there's that level of pressure here. And I think that's I think that's a slimy tactic. Uh, I agree. And so I don't know. I just wanted to share the uh, the judgment house. So, Michelle, I mean, after after absorbing all of this information about hell houses versus judgment houses, I mean, what do you think about all this as 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 the show's resident Christian? As I am also the show's resident toilet cleaner too, you know. So come on now, uh, I think it's ineffective, and I like I said, I think it's disingenuous um, regarding something that you mentioned. You know, people, the good people. It doesn't matter how good you are. Uh, what you, that doesn't determine whether you get to go to heaven or not. Is that what you believe? Uh, absolutely, but there's the theological reason behind that is that. It has, it's by grace, period. So it's not whether or not you deserve something, but by the fact that um, you are loved and this grace and this price was paid to cover your sin. I want to make sure I'm clear, though. Uh, in your beliefs about hell, people who I don't, don't have a lot Jesus, of beliefs about hell, by the way. You did say earlier that you believe in it. I Yeah, but, but I'm not really sure. I have no determination and no no judgment in who goes there and who doesn't. This, this is exactly the best uh, stance you can take as a Christian, is um, that, look, I don't know. God sends people to hell. I don't. I will not propose to tell who he will send and who he will not. And that's the way to best sidestep this stuff. Now, uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, many, the myriad of... Of, uh, preachers out there that will use uh, hell as a bludgeoning stick to get you to come up to that altar call so they can get those additional numbers so they can say when they can have their little uh, preacher conferences and sip and coffee and talk about, well I've I've had 150 this year come up to the altar call or whatever it is that they do in order to get these numbers those folks will definitely tell you who goes to hell and who won't I don't claim to know anyone's heart or or intentions or or anything else. But you don't think that the only factor is whether or not somebody has accepted Jesus as their personal savior because that's what the the tends to be the Christian message is if you don't accept Jesus as your personal savior you're going to hell. It doesn't matter if all the good deeds you've done. Not it just your savior but your lord and savior so that you are actually not just so that you praise and follow him. Yes. Yeah, I would actually believe I actually do believe that in order to have eternal salvation that you must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Look at you smirking over there. I know. Oh, I'm not going to get into a theological conversation with her because it's no, not, we don't my, have time for it's it not anyway. my job to tear her stuff apart. No. For me, it's all about whether or not you're going to threaten your friends and neighbors with hell. And I find that to be the most despicable portion of well, I find any that, religion, I but find mostly that, Christianity. I find I that with. God to be particularly despicable. The idea that uh, that he's so pretentious that if you don't ex- if you don't accept this one version of human what humans claim to be the truth about mm-hmm. accepting Jesus, that, uh, that everybody else burns uh, in you know all damnation forever. I mean, it's it's. I've heard, I've heard that crazy. said. I've heard that said by a lot of um, uh, anarchists, atheists that you know that it's that it's arrogant of God, and they wouldn't want to serve a God that is as arrogant. It's not that. a loving God, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That, that you cannot make the claim on one hand that uh, that is an all loving God, and on the other hand, uh, send people to well, you, you know fiery ta- torment. But if you're going to say that, don't take it out of context. Remember that. I mean, if if, if the claim is that, that that's what we're talking about is the biblical version. Jesus Christ himself came down and was sinless and and went upon the cross and took upon all the sins of man. I'd say that's pretty loving. We should get into the theology uh, at a later time because Tom is on the line listening to WVTS in West Virginia. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah. Hey, what's uh, on your mind tonight? Uh, first, uh, tell Mark he's a great American. Hallelujah. <laughs> he's right here. 
Praise um, the Lord. <laughs> Uh, the authority thing, was it Saturday that you guys were talking about uh, sort of the uh, psychological study about uh, people in authority? I don't know. We do it. Uh, we, we, we've, we've mentioned it often. That was but... a couple weeks ago, I think. But anyway, go ahead with your thoughts. It wasn't that. Oh, I was just um, sure it was that long. What? How much I don't know. We've got to get your thoughts out, Tom. We do go. mention um, it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, just uh, recap that just a tad. It, I was curious about it, but I... Uh, you know, didn't uh, the, remember the, the, the question, main the, the study about what people, how be, people behave when they're granted a supposed position of authority? Yeah. Well, they 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 kind of put themselves right into it. Essentially, and they, they the study, embrace it. The, stu- the, stu- the studies have shown that uh, the most despicable type of people are the ones that do the best in running for office, and for people that run for office that the office itself will uh, corrupt just about anybody who's in it. So what you end up getting at the very top are the worst people that society has to offer. God, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Tom, did you have any comments, or did you just want us to recap that for you? Um, well, it's very interesting. Uh, I could tie it in a little bit to the Christianity thing. Okay. Um, I got banned from this site uh, not too long ago, but I had been going there for uh, 30, about 30 months, two and a half years. And I, something happened after surviving that long. There was this one guy, this one moderator, that uh, just fits that uh, perfectly. For some reason, I, I'm kind of like you guys. I don't really show anybody any uh, special uh, respect or anything for being in authority. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, if they got a gun to my head or something. Sure. And what are you saying, boss? <laughs> right. uh, Suddenly they yeah. seem much more reasonable. And, and so you're, you're saying the moderator had it, uh, you know, had it up to his ears in authority and was uh, acting like a jerk? Something happened, but even worse than that, because I had survived for two years, and I, uh, I'm i not really the type I I'll debate the uh, subjects and topics and things like that, but it's very rare that I had to get pushed pretty hard to to get personal with anybody. And um, Tom, you got ten years, seconds. For for two years, I survived, and anyway, it must have been uh, something against uh, against me having to do with that authority. Yeah. Uh, now people with authority uh, tend to get uh, a little hair up their butt. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. Welcome to Living Healthy Naturally, with information and advice on how to improve your health and wellness with natural remedies and nutritional healing. Here's renowned naturopathic doctor and certified nutritionist, Dr. Lindsay Duncan. One of the most common complaints I hear from my clients is having a persistent lack of energy. Lacking energy can come from a variety of causes, including not getting proper nutrients from your foods and eating too many processed foods that can fill you with empty calories These foods do not provide you with the proper fuel for the energy your body needs. An excellent source to this ongoing epidemic is to make sure you consume enough omega fatty acids in your diet to restore that much needed energy. To combat the low energy blues, Genesis Today has created a great tasting juice that contains the wonderful acai berry that will ensure you get the proper amounts of omega fatty acids in your diet. Acai berry juice from Genesis Today tastes fantastic and it takes energy and alertness to new levels. Drink a glass of nutrient-rich acai berry juice in the morning and you'll get a thousand percent of the daily value of vitamin B12 and you will feel energized throughout your entire day. 
To learn more about living healthy, naturally, and acai berry juice, please visit genesistoday.com. Acai berry juice is available in the refrigerated section next to the OJ at all Walmart, Sam's Club, and Super Target locations.